0: In the parable of the sower, Jesus speaks about seed being sown on all different types of soils. You remember the story, uh, there's seed scattered on the road, some falls on the rocky soil, some of the seed falls onto the ground with weeds, and other seed falls on the good soil. And you remember what happens to each of those seeds the, soil, the seed that was sown on the uh, the road was picked up and eaten by birds. The seed that fell amongst the thorny ground uh, came up quickly but didn't have root. The seed that fell amongst the weeds, it came up but then was choked out by the weeds. But then there was a seed that was sown on the good soil. And that seed grew into a harvest, an abundant harvest, a great harvest. The seed... The seed was the same everywhere, but the difference was the seedbed, the soil in which the seed was planted. Uh, Playing off of this parable, the goal of this series is to prepare the seedbed in your life, uh, to give you or remind you of those foundational pieces of our faith uh, so that the seed of God can grow healthy in our lives. This series that we're starting... Today is going to go throughout the season of Lent uh, and a couple of Sundays after. And so if you don't know, the season of Lent is a time of preparation for Easter. It's the 40 days before Easter. So this this seedbed series is a a time of preparation for you as well. The early church often during the season of Lent would prepare new converts For baptism, they would train them in the faith. And we're going to be doing the same thing during this season of Lent. We also currently have 10 of our young people going through confirmation. And confirmation is a a season of preparation. It's a, a, a season of preparation for them to join the church and to be baptized. We teach these youth about life in Jesus Christ we teach big picture themes. It's, it's basically Christianity 101. And at the end of confirmation, those who choose will come before the church. They will say the vows of membership and join the church or be baptized. And others will remember their baptism as well. And this series is basically an adult confirmation. Uh, it is a Christianity 101, as I said. And our hope is at the end of this series that you will have a richer seedbed bed. For your faith. It's also our hope that at the end of this series that we will baptize new believers as well and even have many of you come forward and renew your faith in Jesus and even remember your baptism. If you typically watch online, we'd love to hear from you about how you are connecting in your faith and how you can renew that faith as well. So as we start this series, uh, we're looking at a foundational theme of our life in God. Uh, as Christians. It's a unique belief that's not found in any other religion, and it's the idea that our God reveals himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as Trinity. Uh, It's a shared belief of both Protestants, Catholics, even the Orthodox Church, and the United Methodist Church, which we're a part of, it has as its first article in our article of religion and in our confession of faith this idea about Trinity. Uh, Let me read it from you, from our article of religion, article one of faith in the Holy Trinity. There is but one living and true God, everlasting, without body or parts of infinite power, wisdom, and goodness, the maker and preserver of all things, both visible and invisible. And in the unity of this Godhead, there are three persons of one substance, power, and eternity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, And then our confession of faith starts this way. It says this, We believe in the one true, holy, and living God, eternal Spirit, who is creator, sovereign, and preserver of all things visible and invisible. He is infinite in power, wisdom, justice, goodness, and love, and rules with gracious regard for the well-being and salvation of men. To the glory of His name, we believe the one God reveals Himself as the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, distinct but inseparable, eternally one in essence, and power. So it, it must be an important element of our faith if it's the first article of both our uh, articles of religion and our confession of faith. And Trinity, it, it truly helps shape our understanding of God and I believe it is foundational for our understanding of our identity and for our calling as Christians as well to make disciples. Yet it's also one of the most misunderstood articles of our faith because it is it is hard to understand. The concept of Trinity is a tough one to, to kind of fathom. It is a holy mystery. And in all Christian traditions, though, when we are baptized, we're baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And in fact, uh, Jesus said this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The early church... It sought to help new converts to understand what that meant. What does it mean to live out your baptism, to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit? And why does it matter? Why does it matter? And so the church wrestled with these questions, questions about who is Jesus? Is he just a man or is he God? They searched the scriptures for understanding because many of you know that the word Trinity itself is not found in scripture. But although although the word isn't found, the concept is is throughout the pages of Scripture. This theme of Trinity is found throughout from the beginning to the end. And uh, it's the idea that when we speak of God, we understand God best as Father Almighty, who is the source of of life itself, who makes himself known in Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit of God, who is present throughout history, working to transform us into God's disciples. That's how we think about God. The Anglican Catechism uh, states that we first believe in God the Father, who has made us and all of creation, and that second, in God the Son, who redeems us and all of humanity, and third, in God the Holy Spirit, that sanctifies us and all who come to God. Uh, I like what John Wesley, the, the founder of Methodism, uh, states when, when he talks about getting to heaven. He says this, there will be a a deep and intimate and uninterrupted union with God, a constant communion with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, through the Spirit, a continual enjoyment of the three-one God and of all creatures in Him. Trinity, Trinity is the seedbed of our faith. It informs our understanding of God, our identity in God, and our calling in God. So let's take a deep dive for a moment. A triune understanding of God helps us even in the understanding of history and the flow of salvation. It begins with a good creation that was was created by God that we broke. And then the pivot of history is in the sending of Jesus, in the incarnation, life, death, and resurrection. And then God's own spirit is now sent in order to help us live by faith. So we have, in the beginning, God, and then we see the pivot in Jesus and the Spirit indwelling within us, guiding us. History itself is the history of the activity of our triune God. And there are many types of images that are used to help depict the Trinity. And I like this image. It's an ancient image, but this one has been updated in English it's the, the shield of the Holy Trinity. It shows us this important understanding about God. It, it teaches that the Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not uh, the Father. That God is three distinct persons, yet there is one God. The Father is God. The Son is God. The Spirit is God. And the way the church has stated it over the, the centuries is that God is one substance, which means that God is essentially one yet he is known in three persons and so a math equation is 3 equals 1 i know it's confusing it can be confusing and there but there are many other analogies of trinity in the world that would help us understand this concept for example you know objects have three dimensions in themselves length breadth and height and and we can distinguish each can be distinguished yet they're inseparable in one Object. Uh, Our experience of the the world has uh, three dimensions, space, time, and matter, unified in the one physical object. Augustine stated that God has put Trinitarian footprints everywhere in creation. For example, even the unity of ourself. Ourself is made up with memory and then understanding and then a willing to act, this Trinitarian idea of who we are. And the church has had to defend this idea of Trinity over the years. The the Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D., the Council of Constantinople in 381 A.D., Ephesus in 431 A.D., the Council of Chalcedon in 451 A.D. Each of these councils came out with statements of faith to help us understand better what we believe and what we don't believe heresies from Arius and Apollonius and Nestorius and others who said various things about Jesus, that he wasn't human or that he wasn't God or that he was less than God or that the Spirit is less than God or that God is just one being who reveals himself in three modes, which is modalism, or that Jesus and the Spirit were created by God, which is Arianism or partialism, where each are just a part of God. But we know that all examples of trying to understand this, they ultimately break down because it is a holy mystery. Uh, there's a great video online. You might Google it. It's, uh, it's called Bad Analogies, and it's uh, this idea of Trinity. Uh, it, it's a funny video that helps you understand uh, even better what Trinity is and what it isn't. Uh, and, and the video makes me laugh when I watch it. And, and part of the re- reason why it makes me laugh is because it is so hard to understand idea of Trinity. We struggle with understanding of it. But the early church wrestled greatly with this concept. And like the early church fathers and mothers, we need to understand why it matters. And it matters because we see Trinitarian language throughout the Bible, even in the Old Testament. In fact, in our scripture from Isaiah, we see this being portrayed. Uh, it's one of a great example. Isaiah forty-eight sixteen. It says this, And you have to understand the context. that the speaker in this verse is the Messiah, the coming one. It says this, draw near to me, hear this, from the beginning, I have not spoken in secret from the time it came to be, I have been there. And now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. So here we have the Messiah talking about how the Lord God sent him along with the spirit of God, this idea of Trinity. I want to go through just several texts here for a moment to give you a flavor of Trinitarian language. This isn't all of the texts that we could use, but just some so you can understand. We already mentioned one, the baptismal formula that Jesus gives at the end of Matthew. where We're to go and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And even earlier, when Jesus himself was baptized, we see where John baptized Jesus and the Spirit of God comes down on Jesus. And then the Father speaks about how this, the Son, He is well pleased. So we see Jesus at the inauguration of Jesus' ministry. We see Jesus, the Messiah, the Spirit, and the Father all together in one. In the Gospel of John, right out of the box, we see the connection of Jesus and the Word of God, Jesus, uh, Jesus, uh, Connected to God the Father says this in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Apostle Paul gives us a beautiful benediction at the end of Second Corinthians 1313, which speaks of God as Trinity. It says this, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. Again, in Ephesians, another letter of Paul, in 2.18, we read these words. For through Jesus, both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. Again, Trinitarian language. And further on in Ephesians, we read the beautiful prose of Paul as he explains our unity and the unity of God in Trinity. He says this, I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to leave a life worthy of the calling into which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to have one hope of your calling, one Lord and one baptism, one faith, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. And in the book of Jude, we hear these words, but you, beloved, build yourselves up in the most holy faith, pray in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, Look forward to the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. There's so many more texts that I could highlight, but I'm, I'm going to look at just one more because it comes from one of my favorite uh, stories of Scripture, the, the story of creation. And this verse is right out of the box, Genesis one, 1 the story of the creation of uh, the world and the creation of humankind. It says this, In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, The Hebrew word for God is Elohim in Hebrew. Elohim. And it's fascinating because that word is plural. It's a plural for God connected to a singular verb. And then in verse 6, it says this Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. Again, Elohim, let us make humans in our image. God is the divine plural, yet one. Never a polytheistic God, but always monotheistic, one. Jews, even though they read this, they see God as one. It's the divine plural. And so we have this image of God as Trinity, even from the beginning. So I want to return to the question that we kind of asked at the beginning. Why does it matter? Why does Trinity matter? Steve Siemens, the professor of a Christian doctrine at Asbury Seminary, He puts it this way. I love this quote. He says this, the primary purpose of the Trinitarian grammar is not comprehension or communication, but communion with God. I like that. It matters because in the Trinity, we see at the core of God's being is a unity of love. God is love. God is a God of relationship at his very core. That love and relationship aren't an afterthought. Or just a creation of God. They are at the being of who God is. And, and that we have been created in that image of God. In the Trinity, we see again the core, we serve a God of love, a unity of love. And I, I love how C.S. Lewis he summarizes it so well in his book, Mere Christianity. I'm going to quote from Lewis. He says this: All sorts of people are fond of repeating the Christian statement that God is love, but they seem not to notice that the words God is love have no real meaning unless God contains at least two persons. Love is something that one person has for another person. If God was a single person, then before the world was made, he was not love. Christians believe that the living dynamic activity of love has been going on in God forever and has created everything else. I love that. I love that image. And, and we're created in that image. And whenever love exists in of itself, there is a trinity of understanding. There is the one who loves the object of the love and then the, the spirit of love that connects the the three of them, The that trinity of understanding. It matters because we have been created in the image of God. We serve a God whose very essence is love and relationship. The Father lives in a perfect love relationship with the Son. The son lives in a perfect love relationship with the spirit. The spirit lives in a perfect love relationship with the father. And we have been created in that image. We have been created to join in with with God, to know what it means to to love, to know what it means to be in relationship. We were created for that and in that. I think it's so important that this perfect love relationship, a unity of one substance, one God, but three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. Built into our DNA is a longing for this, a longing for love and a longing for relationship. It's who we are. And the Trinity beckons us to enter this circle of love of God, this perfect love relationship of God, and is how we should model our life. It is the blueprint for our life in God, the blueprint for our identity, and the blueprint for our calling. As Christians, that we are called to go out and love others and bring them into relationship with God. It's how we do life together. We don't start with our human understanding of love and then project it on God. We start with a divine understanding of love and relationship that informs and reveals to us how we are created in the image of God and live in God. A perfect love relationship. It's one we can hardly fathom. A divine mystery, as I've said before, a love so strong, so true, so holy, so overwhelming, so glorious, so wonderful, so unbelievable that it makes what Jesus did on the cross so overwhelming. God is love and love overcame our sin and our separation that we put between ourselves and God. And so God sent his only beloved son to earth in order To save us, not to condemn the world, but because of his love for the world, his love for us. That's what makes the crucifixion so overwhelming to me. So here we have this divine being and Jesus knew what was coming. A ripping of the divine relationship, a ripping apart of the very essence and being of God on the cross for the sake of love and relationship That's why Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he he prayed and was sweating blood because he knew what was coming. Uh, That's why he prayed, God, is there any other way? Is there something easier? Something that doesn't involve our whole being being ripped apart? The physical pain was one thing, but the tearing apart of your very nature, the divine nature, I can... Can't hardly imagine. I can't imagine what Jesus felt like as he is on the cross saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I can't imagine God the Father as he is uh, weeping over this divine tearing and the spirit weeping over this divine tearing of the unity of love. And so it's in the Trinity we see the overwhelming love of God for each of us. And I want to invite each of you who are watching to, to join into that into that union with God. God desires for you to be in relationship with him. God loved you so much that he tore his very being because of his love for you. He went to incredible lengths for that. So I want you uh, to remember that. Let's, Let's bow for a word of prayer. Oh God, we thank you that you are Trinity, that you are divine. You are Father, Son, and Spirit, that you are love. And so for all of us in this moment, Lord, if there's those watching who who have forgotten that, or have forgotten that they are loved. May they feel your love right now. Come, Holy Spirit, and speak to their heart. We thank you, Lord, that, that you came and you died for us and you were resurrected so that we can have life, and abundant life, that you have called us to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength because you love us. Help us to, to be healed in you and to grow in you and in all things. And We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If there's anything we can do for you, if you've made a decision for Christ or uh, are growing in grace, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know you're out there. We love you. God bless you. Have a great day.